This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, Brett Albertson joins us to discuss Active IQ and updates on the latest and greatest new features. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipor. Zipor. I love NetApp because it's so funny. Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the basement of my house and with me today I have Brett Albertson with us to talk about uh, Active IQ. So to start with, Brett, what exactly do you do here at NetApp and how do we reach you? Well, thanks, Justin. I'm a principal technical marketing engineer and I represent Active IQ and also a few other tools. But today I'm going to focus on Active IQ. And people can email me if they want. It's Brett A, so B-R-E-T-T-A at netapp.com. And I'd be glad to answer any questions about ActiveIQ. I'm very open. I answer a lot of questions from customers and partners and NetApp people. So that would be great. All right, excellent. Let's just kind of start off with what ActiveIQ is. And you know, to do that, let's just kind of give us the 10,000-foot the view, the intro. What is ActiveIQ and how does it differ from other things that share the name? So the core of Active IQ is, is that it's something that can keep an eye on your systems all the time. Even when you're busy, it can be watching when you're in a meeting or you're on vacation or you're asleep. And it can also know about potential problems before, before they become real problems. It can uncover best practice gaps. You can get guidance on things you have questions about. You can automate some routine maintenance tasks. And you can get help planning your upgrades. And there's a lot more, but that's basically a teaser of the highlights of what ActiveIQ can do for you. And ActiveIQ is what used to be called from 25 years ago until four years ago, um, the My Auto Support Dashboard. So there's some people out there, if you've been around NetApp for a long time, or maybe you haven't used ActiveIQ recently, but you used to. You might know it as the Auto Support Dashboard, although we changed the name um, quite a few years ago now. ActiveIQ moniker, we really took on because we started doing a lot of AI and machine learning behind the scenes, and we wanted a more up-to-date name than the Auto Support Dashboard, which sounds very 1990s. So we took on the moniker ActiveIQ. And what's happened is, over the years, since ActiveIQ is sort of a back-end system that ingests data and processes it, and, and, and that data can be used for many, many, many purposes. We have a lot of integrations. And I'm going to talk some about the integrations later, but as we integrate with products, a lot of them have changed their name to put the ActiveIQ moniker in front of their product name. So a great example of that is ActiveIQ Unified Manager. Unified Manager and ActiveIQ integrated our health and risks and some of the things called fix-its, which I'll talk about later. And when they did that, and that was version 9.7 of Unified Manager, um, they decided to change their moniker to ActiveIQ Unified Manager. The same thing happened with Config Advisor and a few other tools. So ActiveIQ itself is sort of the original. And uh, because of the confusion, we actually have taken on a moniker recently. And that is we call the website open to customers and partners in NetApp ActiveIQ Digital Advisor. So if you hear me say digital advisor during this podcast, I mean ActiveIQ, the website, the, the original, the thing you get when you open a web browser and go to activeiq.netapp.com, the SaaS-based application. So that that is what I what I mean when I say ActiveIQ or when I say digital advisor during this podcast. How do you navigate the inevitable confusion here? Like, <laughs> right? I mean, it, I understand why we put everything under the same umbrella because it's it's you yeah. know it's kind of the same concepts overall, but, you know, I know that the, it was confusing for me. I, I it, not necessarily because I didn't know what they were, but I looked for active IQ and I was searching for podcasts. I was like, Oh, we haven't done one on that yeah. yet. And you're like, Oh no, that was unified manager. Like, Oh yeah, you're right. So how do you, yeah. clear, how do you, how do you navigate all that? Well, I'll, I'll tell you the short term and then the long term. So in the long term, the vision is uh, that, NetApp used to be a bunch of discrete tools that were use case-based. You know, you use System Manager when you had just a couple of systems. You use Unified Manager when you had dozens of on-prem 
on-tap systems. You used, you know, Santricity when you had E-series on-prem systems. You use Cloud Manager when you have cloud systems. You use Keystone now when you have the Keystone Manager tool, when you have Keystone. Um, what we're trying to get to, the future we're trying to get to is where that all blends together into a management environment. Probably, and I, I don't know the future, but what we're trying to get to is based on Cloud Manager probably because Cloud Manager has a nice framework and can integrate other tools very easily. Um, but the idea is, is that those differences eventually get faded away and that you don't realize you're transitioning tools when you transition tools. And, and, and that is reality today in Cloud Manager. I, I know this is a podcast, so I can't give a live demo, but later when I talk about our integration with Cloud Manager, you'll see that ActiveIQ is now embedded in Cloud Manager and without leaving that single pane of glass, you can um, do cloud manager on-prem management, cloud manager, cloud management. You could do active IQ, um, you know, support and monitoring. You could, they have integrations with cloud insights. So that's the long-term vision. In the short term, I do agree it's a little confusing, although most customers have a subset of NetApp tools that they depend on and use every day and get very comfortable with. And so for most customers, it's actually less confusing than for partners and NetApp people, because for partners and NetApp people, you have to know every management and monitoring tool because you don't know what the customer is going to be using. But I, I've noticed that when I talk to customers, there's actually a little bit of less confusion because they know that, well, I, for on-prem management, use Unified Manager. And whether they change the name to ActiveIQ Unified Manager or not, that's my on-prem tool. And I know when I go to a website, it's active IQ. And, and so I think there's a little bit of less confusions in the customer base, but more in partners and NetApp in the differentiation. Okay. So, in you know, to kind of summarize, customers don't care. They just want it to work, right? <laughs> they don't. They want it to work. They'd love it if we had a single pane of glass, even if behind the scenes we had on-prem tools and SaaS-based tools. That's what they want. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, ideally this, this, that single pane of glass and, you know, I'll, I'll work in the ding, ding <laughs> to, cause we've used the keyword several times here, uh, later on in post, but that that's going to be cloud resident, I would imagine. Yes, that's exactly right. Because if you think about the world is going to a hybrid cloud, meaning there, if you fast forward five years, there's going to be very few customers that don't have at least something running in the cloud. Therefore you need management tools that can't, that manage both on-prem and in the cloud. And in my opinion, those are gonna be our cloud resident tools, which are shaping up to be Cloud Manager, Cloud Insights, and ActiveIQ. But the reality is that Cloud Manager can integrate the other two tools I just mentioned. So if you had to pick a single pane of glass in, in five years, I would guess it's gonna be Cloud Manager. Yeah, I and mean, that's really the general movement is going to as a service models, right? So basically, so you don't have to, Host them on site. You don't have to manage them on site. Somebody else does it for you. They upgrade them for you and everything just runs perfectly for you. That's exactly right. Yes. So as far as active IQ goes itself, like what does it do for you? Like, how does it help you? What does it give you that other things may not give you? Yeah. So active IQ really, um, I, I like to think of it like the old BASF ads, you know, we don't make the things we make the things you use better or whatever that saying was. Um, active IQ helps especially in support and maintenance and monitoring um, use cases. So for example, this is a, a few little known facts that are about to come at you right now. 98% uh, of all support cases opened at NetApp each year are opened by ActiveIQ, not customers, not partners, not internal NetApp people. 98% ActiveIQ, 2% every other type of opening. And that's because ActiveIQ is really good at about finding problems on systems and immediately determining that's a major problem and opening a case. So, you know, I'm talking about hardware failures or, or failovers in the terms of ONTAP or uh, things like that. Um, so, and we have pretty amazing results. People that use ActiveIQ, because it finds potential problems before they're big problems, they actually have 85% uh, fewer sev one cases on a per system basis. So if you went to your CIO and said, I could do this one thing and have 85% fewer outages, your CIO would say, absolutely do that thing. And that thing is using ActiveIQ uh, on a regular basis. 
The other thing is that customers that are sending us data, so 80 some percent of our customers send us telemetry data, but 80 uh, out of that 80 some percent, if you compare that with the, tw- the 18% that don't, the ones that do send us data have 60% faster resolution time when they do open a support case. So when they open a support case, it's resolved 60% faster. And that's easy to explain why, because the data is right there at everyone's fingertips to help resolve their problem. You don't have to ask for outputs. It's already there. So in the end, how it helps customers is it reduces the amount, it reduces incidents. When there's an incident, it reduces the amount of time it takes to resolve them. And surveys have shown that customers that use ActiveIQ in general are happier customers. In other words, you know, there's corporate-wide surveys. And then if you break those surveys down into customers using ActiveIQ and customers not, the survey results for customers that are using ActiveIQ are higher satisfaction rates with the support experience that that the the owner, you know, owning their equipment experience, the post-sales experience. So that's really what on a practical level, you know, ActiveIQ does for our customers. And I would imagine that, you know, as we go, we're collecting useful information about problems and resolutions and that sort of thing. And we're incorporating that into machine learning somehow so that we can better suggest solutions as we start to open cases or even avoid opening cases altogether. Yep. We call that community wisdom. In other words, we're using the wisdom we learn from not just your account, but every account on the planet. 380,000 systems send us data daily. There's even more than that that send us data occasionally. Um, so yeah, we we have 25, 26 years worth of knowledge now. The first auto support came in 26 years ago. Um, so yeah, we have we have decades and and petabytes and petabytes and petabytes of knowledge about and and to help us predict things like when is the next uh, you know component going to fail? Um, you know we we keep statistics on you know do customers that do an upgrade from on tap, you know, 98P6 to 98P7 have better uptime results or not better uptime results. You know, so we we have all sorts of predictions around, you know, better ways to support our customers. So I, I know there's customers out there that either don't send auto supports or they can't because they're in secure sites. That said, I mean, if, if we're trying to make this a cloud resident uh, feature, a, a platform, right? Do we have solutions for customers that are insecure sites? You know, if they can't get to yeah. an external access to the cloud and, you know, how do, what are, the, how are we approaching those customers yeah. and can they opt out of sending data? Yes. So first of all, you can opt out of sending data from any system at any time. It's just a configuration option um, in all of our systems. Um, and there's also other options, um, about sending secure data or being marked as a secure customer. Although we treat all data um, as secure data, we separate out all PII and CII on incoming data and put it in a separate, separately secured and encrypted table that can't be accessed without a bunch of um, auditing and, and rules and other limitations on it. But yes, um, you can opt out at any time, but how, how we do dark site customers is very interesting. So remember I mentioned that in Unify Manager 9.7, we integrated a lot of the power of ActiveIQ into Unify Manager. Unified Manager 9.7 and higher is in fact NetApp's dark site solution. So in Unify Manager 9.7 or higher, we integrated the power of all the risk database within ActiveIQ into Unify Manager. So all those risks and wellness stuff that I'm gonna I'm probably talk about later a little, in a little more detail was integrated into Unify Manager 9.7 and later. And also, because dark sites, you know, don't like binaries coming on site, we also allowed that risk database to be updated with flat JSON files at any time. So in other words, previous to Unify Manager 9.7, Unify Manager, you know, 9.6 and 9.5 and 9.4 did have some detection of problems and things like that. But what, you know, if you deployed on Unify Manager 9.5, that was it. If we learned something the day after that was deployed, you wouldn't know about that. But in Unify Manager 9.7, we actually publish updates to that. So at dark sites, you can actually take a flat text file that is easy to audit, um, you know, because that's big at secure sites, and actually update that intelligence at any time. 
so that you could you could you know monthly update that intelligence to get all or whatever schedule you want to set to for new things that we find. For example, I'll give you a great example right now that's very topical is that log for J thing, uh, vulnerability that was found back in December. That wasn't known when on Unified Manager nine seven was made a year ago, right? That just wasn't known. Well, now we know about it, and now that has a risk signature that can be detected, right? But if you don't have a way to update your risk database in a secure site, you would not know that. So um, this that advancement allowed Unified Manager and the power of powered by the power of ActiveIQ to to allow it to work better at dark sites. So that's our current uh, dark site solution uh, for uh, for for monitoring and management. Yeah, and, and kind of to piggyback on that, to go back to the platform as a service type of solution and, and approach to ActiveIQ, the Log4j stuff gets mitigated by a backend upgrade that you don't even worry about. So you know we take right. care of that for that's you. That's exactly right. Yeah. And you don't have to yeah, go identifying a bunch of systems and that sort of thing. So it really just takes yeah, that kind of headache out of your hands. Yeah, customers uh, realize that, you know, you don't realize the work that goes on behind the scenes. I know the the weekend after that was identified, it was a very busy weekend for our team because we were making sure we weren't vulnerable to anything uh, around that. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we, it hides all that from you. Let's kind of talk about what's new in ActiveIQ as of the last, say, year, right? So what have we gotten yeah. in the last year that is maybe, maybe people don't know about? Yeah. So... The Mono Support dashboard uh, had an interface for over a decade that really didn't change much. Some things were added to it, et cetera. So from two years ago, from you know, 12 years ago to about two years ago, that that really hadn't changed much. A few um, some new features were added over time, um, some sophistication added, some behind the a lot of behind the scenes AI and machine learning, but the front end had not changed much. So about Two years ago, we released a beta, and then about 18 months ago, um, transitioned to 100% the new interface, um, the, the what we call the digital advisor interface. And the main difference is the old interface was very risk-oriented, meaning it was, it was all about detecting problems. And that's great. Like, if you think about if you're an advanced customer who has an admin that all they admin is, is NetApp storage, and they take all the NetApp storage training classes and they live and breathe NetApp, all you need to do is say, here's a list of 10 problems you need to fix, and they're off doing it, and that's fine. But we probably, you know, everyone listening to my voice right now knows that's not the world we live in anymore. I wish it was. I really do, but it's not the world we live in anymore. Many customers have admins that cannot be dedicated to NetApp because they manage more than just NetApp. Not only that, they often manage more than just storage. They often manage even you know, network or server or, or hypervisor or whatever. And they can't dedicate their life to, to, to the intricacies of setting up, you know, NetApp systems in their completely optimal way. So the new interface takes that into account. And instead of presenting a bunch of problems on your systems, it turns that paradigm around and instead is an action-oriented interface that tells you what is the next best action to take? The literal default view on the main dashboard is a wellness section that literally is a list of actions per type of category. So if you care about security, there's a button that says security, and it tells you what the next best actions to take to fix up your security would be. And the same for all the different categories. So there's one for availability protection, and there's one for um, configuration adhering to best practices, and there's one for capacity and efficiency. Um, et cetera. So um, it's it's a very action-oriented interface instead of a problem-oriented interface. And it seems to really work well, especially for environments where your attention might be on many different things and you don't have time to be just a dedicated 24 hours a day NetApp expert constantly taking NetApp training and keeping up to date on the latest NetApp um, you know, versions and, and technologies. So that action-oriented interface where we keep it simple and say, you know, upgrade the OS to fix this security bug. And oh, by the way, that will fix these other eight bugs also. Um, that's the type of interface that the new digital advisor interface out. Very, very action-oriented. And the goal is to reduce management time. So in other words, 
the old interface did its job, but the new interface, the goal is to, to, to do it quickly, meaning just say, here is what I do to fix this problem. And not only that, and I'm going to cover this a little bit later, a lot of times we even have one-click fixes for you or a, a way for us to create a script to automatically fix your problem. So that's even better because you don't even, you know, like I'll give you an example of that is that I'm going to present later is firmware updates. So firmware updates for both disk and shelf and system and BMC are very common in the ONTAP world. And now we just automatically create custom scripts for you to fix and update your firmware. Um, so we just do it. We, we don't even ask. We just, there's a button to click that says download my scripts and it, the scripts just go out and fix the firmware. So um, that that's the, what our current goal is. So when you click that button, does it download the scripts or does it actually run them right then? It downloads, it downloads the scripts. You know, one of the things, one of the bad parts of being a SaaS based application is we're not running on site at your data center. So you have to execute those scripts. I will talk about later is that we have integrations with Unified Manager, System Manager, and Cloud Manager, and those three tools do have hands on premises. So, so I, I always say we're the face and brain and they're the hands, and then we can use their hands to go execute that. And I'm going to talk later about some of those integrations and where we can actually go fix the problem automatically. So, so what if I'm a very paranoid, distrusting admin and, and I don't want to run a script without knowing exactly what it does and testing it out? Do we have any ways to help them with that? Or is that just something that they're going to have to stand up in, in a test environment? Well, I will say that the one good thing is we've standardized on a single language for our scripts, which is Ansible. Ansible is an open sourced enterprise level scripting language. It's very easy to read. I am not a programmer. Um, I actually have a, an engineering degree with a minor in computer science, but I would not call myself a programmer. And I was able to basically get up to speed and understand Ansible scripts in a couple of hours. They're very, very, very easy to understand. So the scripts that we give you are in plain text English, and you can read them. It's very easy to understand. Um, and, th and they are very basic. The, the firmware upgrade script that we give you is literally only about 20 lines of script. I mean, it's very, very rudimentary. So it's very easy to understand what it's going to do. We don't have a way to simulate it uh, per se, uh, but but we do try to keep it very simple. The things we publish script for are, um, so I will say that you know there are thing, things that are difficult to fix and things that are relatively straightforward to fix. The ones we produce script for scripts for or integrations to fix are the ones that are simple. I mean, like fail. We have a script for fixing failover. You know, failover is either turned on or it's turned off. They're not. It's not like a gray area where there's like other choices, you know, it's, 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 you know, the script will just go and turn failover back on, on a system where you forgot to turn it back on maybe after a maintenance window. So we do try to keep it simple and, and each script only fix one thing. So we don't make one script that fixes 10 things. Like each script fixes one discrete thing. So we try to keep it very simple in that way. What other new things do we have? I mean, do we have any sort of ways to manage this outside of the data center or outside of our work laptops? Do we have mobile apps or any other ways to, to deal with this? Yeah, we do. We have a very popular mobile app. We released um, that mobile cap is just called NetApp Active IQ, and you can get it on the Google Play Store and the Apple um, iTunes, I, whatever it is, store. Um, so just the normal place you get applications and it's got the same exact user interface as our as our website. So the it's same look and feel, the same fonts, the same colors, the same buttons, the same widgets. So it's really easy to go back and forth between them. I like the mobile app because it does push notifications. So imagine you're in a meeting and a disk fails, it'll push it right to your phone and say, bam, you know, the disk in bay three slot two of controller or whatever just failed. Um, we also have APIs. So you know, a lot, of, a lot of our larger companies and larger partners love to use APIs. They, uh, we have customers using APIs to fill in their own ticketing system. We have customers using APIs, um, you know, in other kind of tricky ways. Like um, we, we, have, we have one customer that has its own dashboard for support cases because you from our APIs in, in ActiveIQ, you can get support case status and all the, the case notes and all that stuff. So, I mean, our API, anything you see in our GUI, 
Um, we actually use our own APIs in our GUI, the public APIs that you can access are the same APIs we have that, that do our GUI. So if you see something in our GUI, you absolutely 100% can get that from our public APIs because our GUI, hundred all of the calls from our GUI is, is 100% to our own public API. So, and you can even get more. Sometimes there's things we publish that we don't currently have a GUI widget for. Um, so there's a few instances of that where you can actually get more information. You know, before we get to some of the new features, can you kind of give me an idea of what the evolution of all this looked like, right? So kind of just summarize, you know, where ActiveIQ kind of started and where we are now and what the new things that we're offering today are. Yeah, so ActiveIQ started as a very reactive support tool, to be 100% honest. It was all about finding initially hardware failures. That's where it started. Then we expanded to software failures and other log issues and fa- you know, failure conditions. And then we started doing uh, predictions like it didn't fail yet, but it was giving retriable errors. And then we hit some threshold and we opened a case for it. So that, that, that evolution happened over many years because you know, 25 years ago when we started, we were mostly a reactive support tool and we mostly handled hardware cases. And then we slowly handled more and more and more support cases, or sorry, software cases over time. And then it got to the point, um, I would say, five or six years ago, where we realized that if you really look at the statistics, we were predicting more cases than we were reacting to. And that's when we really started to rethink, like, why are we just calling ourselves the Myoto support dashboard? Like we're just a support dashboard that is part of support. And that evolution is where we really started to push AI and machine learning techniques. Um, we were we put in a whole new architecture so that all of our data flows through a, an AI uh, ML pipeline now. So we do all the classic, if you, if you looked up a classic AI ML environment, we're it. I mean, we use the same thing that, that, and we use a lot of the same tools that our customers do. It's funny when I talk to customers, we use the same tools they do in their AI machine learning environments. And that's also when we renamed ourselves uh, four or five years ago and rebranded and really started to put a lot of thought into how do we predict things and integrate rather than just be a support tool. Um, and that's really the evolution that's happened over the last 20 years is that, again, think of it like support and reactive to now it's very much proactive software based um again we still do great on finding hardware problems so i'm not we didn't drop the ball on that but what i meant is most of our focus has been in becoming you know as as we call it like a trusted advisor to our customers that they can log in and know that we're always watching their back and looking for problems and trying to take other people's community wisdom from other problems they've encountered and, and and helping this customer never even have that problem because we're helping them avoid it. And that's really the evolution that we've gone over the last 20 years. Yeah. I know for a fact that we use things like Spark and Hadoop on the back end, yep. but we also, Ooh, we got rid of Hadoop. Volume. Oh yeah. We got rid of Hadoop. Uh, they, Hadoop they, is very, uh, 10 years ago, but yeah, no, Hadoop's gone. It was, Spark's still there yeah. though. Yeah, we, we had Hadoop for a long time. It, it was, well, I shouldn't even say that, but we're, it was costing us a fortune because we bought real support on it and it was per terabyte. And, you know, we have petabytes and petabytes in Hadoop. So um, we finally got rid of Hadoop and it's now all on other platforms. Yeah. yeah and I do know we, do, we use flex group volumes because they get asked, I get asked yeah, occasionally by them right. to help them with their flex group stuff. So yeah, we, yeah, we, definitely we have a use lot our of storage. Yeah. We do. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the new features then. So what is new that we have in the latest releases of ActiveIQ? Okay, so the new interface has. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the highlights, and and we still have all our classic features. So I talked about you know we still show risks and do upgrade advisor, and we still have inventory, and we still show capacity, and we still show efficiency, we still show performance. I'm gonna kind of gloss over those because we've done those for many years. And that hasn't really changed. So I'm going to kind of gloss over those. But but those are some of our most core key features. But I'm I'm sort of going to gloss over those. But let me talk about the new interface and some of the new spiffy new advanced features it has. The first is our old interface was very stodgy when it came to if you logged in from customer A, you saw the same thing 
as every person from customer A. It was just static. You saw the customer level view. Now we have these things called watch lists, which allow you to do custom dashboards. So you're allowed to put in the, the systems, the serial numbers, or you can do it by site or host name or sub company if you're a subsidiary, of, let's say of a larger company, of just the things you care about. So you can make it your default dashboard. And therefore, you never have to see it. You might work for company A, but you only care about a subset of their inventory. And you can create a, a, a watch list and make a custom dashboard where you never have to see that other stuff. And then all your reports, all your GUI, all the you know red, you know, red is bad, green is good sort of things is only on your custom inventory that you care about. So that's a pretty cool advancement. The, the next thing I would like to talk about is that we added to wellness, which is the classic high and medium um, risk area, uh, ransomware defense card that's new. We've always presented security, even in the old interface, even years ago, security is one of the first things we added that was software-based. But now we have a dedicated card for ransomware defense. That's a hot topic right now. We had already had all the risks for ransomware defense in ActiveIQ. They just weren't separated into their own report, like in, into their own card where you could see how you were doing. Now, if your CIO wants a status, it's great because it's color-coded. Your ransomware defense is either going to be red, bad, orange, kind of bad, yellow, warning, green, good. Um, so you're going to get a color-coded score of how you're doing right on the main page. Um, we have a bunch of, of, of integrations. I'm going to mention one here while I'm talking about the wellness area. Um, we have an integration with Active IQ, Active IQ Unified Manager. If we know you, if you we detect that you're running Unified Manager, which of course we can detect because we're getting telemetry data, and we have a, an it, uh, there's a risk that can be fixed by Unified Manager. We have we put in a little um, there's a little wrench, and the wrench wrench will light up green, and you click on that green wrench next to the risk, and it will actually open a new tab into Unified Manager and allow you and go to the right page in Unified Manager to allow you to fix that risk on site. So that's a cool integration with Unified Manager. And then the last thing while I'm talking about the wellness area is I mentioned that I teased it before, but let me say it in more detail that we allow or we generate scripts for you to fix some very common problems. The biggest of which is firmware issues. You know, disk firmwares um, are traditionally because we're a storage company have been a big deal at NetApp um, and they change a lot. So you need to keep updated with your disk firmware. They can cause problems if you have severely outdated disk firmware. So please keep it up to date. It doesn't cause any downtime to update your disk firmware. So please update your disk firmware. We have scripts for disk firmware, shelf firmware, system, and BMC firmware. So we create scripts for all that. Um, again, you'll see the risk, and then there'll be a little button for the generate a script right next to the risk. Um, it'll do it right then. All right. And, and that's all non-disruptive, right? This, this firmware upgrades. Yeah, it's, a, it's all, all the firmware stuff is non-disruptive. That's exactly right. Okay. So I, I might as well keep going. I, ha I have a whole list of things I want to cover. So Go if you don't it, mind, man. I'll just Go for it. keep going. Um, health checks. So we separated out the best practice sort of risks into health check. And so health check is sort of like your yearly checkup, if you think of it that way like your cholesterol and your high blood pressure. They're not things that like are the emergency room type things, but it's things that like, if you completely ignore the whole life of your storage environment, you're going to be sorry that you ignored it because in the end it'll get you. Um, so health check has things like, you know, best practices, like do you have enough spares configured? And do you, ha do you have um, remote management set up in, in case it's in a remote data center and you need remote access? Um, I could go on and on, but it has all those sort of like nice, best practice things, all in a nice GUI with like color coded. We categorize it like we talk about, are you doing the right things in Autosport? Are you doing the right things in best practices? Are you doing the right things in keeping up to date? Are you? And they're all color coded with uh, how you're doing. So I love health check and that's for, um, that's for like best practices. Um, config drift was asked for, for from our largest customers. And what it is is, it basically, you, you create a golden copy of your configuration settings and you make a template. And then you can look over time or on different systems uh, and you can do it one system at a time or 
or your whole company at a time or any number of ways you can break it down. But you basically compare the configuration against uh, these live systems. And it'll actually say, oh, no, this system had a configuration drift. And that's why we call it that. You know, it, it had a setting that somehow someone said it wrong. And not only will it detect it and give you it in a report with the problem, it'll actually create a script to fix it, right? So it's just a configuration setting. So it's it's like a toggle or a number or a default or a timeout or, or a yes, no setting. So we can just create a script to fix it. And we do that. So we just give you the report and a script to fix any discrepancies it found. And to add to that, we added a new feature just recently where it can even tell you the timeline of when those changes happen. So we had a large customer tell me they love this feature. It's like the blame game. So like, you know, it, it can say someone touched this on December 7th. Who was doing maintenance on December 7th that would have touched this configuration setting? And then you can figure out who did it. Um, so, so, so that's a, another thing that we added in Configure. So that's a, that's a great feature. Um, especially if you're worried about your systems over time getting out of compliance with, you know, we, we've had customers whose systems won't fail over or won't do a DR properly because, you know, someone changed a setting and it mismatches the, the setting on the DR site or mismatches the setting on their HA pair. And so that that's why Config Drift can find problems like that and fix it. It's interesting you called it Config Enough. Drift and not Config Checker yeah. or something like that. Yeah, I think the idea was drift over time. You know, think about it that way. You, I have templates I set up like a year ago and I could still check them today. You know, so imagine this if this feature's been around five years, you could be, you know, be checking systems that you set template you set up five years ago or something like that. So um, so then the next feature I know might be near and dear to your heart, but um ONTAP has this feature called Fabric Pool. Fabric Pool is a way to tier. Um, cold data blocks off to lower cost storage. That could be either be the cloud or maybe it's an on-prem storage grid device, uh, but it, it just needs to be something that speaks S3. Um, ActiveIQ has a storage, or sorry, a fabric pool advisor, which gives you a report on your cold data and it shows you in which aggregates and in which volumes the cold data is. And then it can um, actually do two things. One is it has links to cloud manager where it can actually, you can tier it right to the cloud, right from Cloud Manager. Or two, um, the other thing we give you is to, to get the cold data report, you have to have this thing called IDR, inactive data reporting, turned on on the aggregate. It's not on on all aggregates. It is the default as of ONTAP 9.6, but not all aggregates have it turned on. Either they're older aggregates or there's ways it could get turned off. So we also will generate a script for you to automatically turn IDR on so that you have um, correct data inside Fabric Pool Advisor to give you advice. Yeah, that's one I of the things that, that, that people ask about, like, you know, how much data would I be able to, to tear off? How much money could I save here? Is there any sort of cost analysis associated with it? Or is that something that you can engage your sales guys with? You should engage your, your sales reps. We don't show the cost directly, but I will give a rule of thumb is that it's probably worth exploring that if you have over 250 terabytes of cold data. That's just a rule of thumb. It could be a little less than that. That's what I use as my rule of thumb. I've talked to many customers and I'll see it and it'll be a petabyte or more. And I'll say, no, you should be tearing this because you have you have, you have a lot of cold data. Um, so it's definitely worth it. Yeah, absolutely. So I, all this time I've talked about scripting uh, to fix things. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, so we, I'm just gonna summarize it in one spot. But we have scripts in Wellness, we have scripts in uh, Config Drift, we have scripts in IDR, we have scripts in Inventory, um, and then we have a bunch of integrations. We're going to talk about in a minute. So you can really see that we are focusing on reducing management time for our customers. The other thing we're doing to reduce management time is we have better reporting. So in the old ActiveIQ, we had reporting. Reporting has been around forever. Um, we now do bulk reporting. So in other words, um, we used to, um, for performance and certain other things, you could only do like one system at a time, but now you could do bulk. You can say for a whole customer, give, and it basically just gives you a giant report where every system is on its own tab and you get a giant, you know, giant uh, file with all the reports uh, collated together. So you can do that um, bulk data reporting. And a lot of our customers love that. 
they they like having the data at their fingertips because we have historical data. You can get performance data and capacity data back an entire year. So you know you 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 might be having an argument internally, and they'll say no, the data didn't grow that fast. But you can get the data from Active IQ anytime with how fast the data is growing in a historical way, and you can't get that necessarily off a live system. And then the last thing I want to mention new features is. If you used the old interface two years ago, you would know that most of our features worked for ONTAP on-prem, but did not work for other platforms. And now it's just the opposite. Um, we have great support for CBO. Almost every single feature that I've mentioned and all of our classic features worked for CBO. They work for, um, most of them work for E-Series, most of them work for Storage Grid. So ActiveIQ is a much better multi-platform tool in a multi-platform environment for our customers. Um, it used to be that you know, those were the, the other platforms besides ONTAP on-prem were kind of redheaded stepchildren. And that's really not the case anymore. You can get you know, E-series performance data and storage grid capacity data and CBO performance data and CBO capacity data, and all that stuff right in ActiveIQ. And so almost everything I talked about, it was multi-platform. Can you tell me a little bit about um, the integrations that we have available? So I know that you know ActiveIQ kind of sits as a larger umbrella over a lot of different products. How are they all being integrated today? Yeah. So there's three big integrations. I talked a lot about the Unified Manager one already. We integrate our, our health and risk data. We have Fix-It button where you can launch Unified Manager locally and fix it within the Unified Manager using them as our hands on site in the data center. So I already talked about those, um, but that's just for completeness. I wanted to mention that. The new, the newest one is the system manager integration. In ONTAP 9.10.1 and later, there's an ActiveIQ integration right into on-prem ONTAP, meaning not an ONTAP service, but into ONTAP itself, where they are calling ActiveIQ over API and they are actually, we're allowing them to do firmware updates inside ONTAP. So, so firmware updates for disks, um, shelves, et cetera. And so you might think, well, ONTAP could do that themselves. But remember, that data changes over time. And you need to know what the latest um, firmware is for that particular disk. And you need to get the, the correct file and all that. And instead of writing all that themselves, since ActiveIQ already did all that, and we do that every day, that's our bread and butter. Instead, it's leveraging the power of ActiveIQ to power that inside ONTAP. And the same thing with the second integration that was done in System Manager was technical support cases. So you can get the status of any open technical support cases or even recently closed technical support cases right from within System Manager. And I will say, watch this space because now that we have that link, there's really no end to the things that we could integrate. Yeah, um, I would imagine so fixits would make a lot of sense there, like the fixit piece. Exactly. Um, the other thing, and I don't want to, because we're talking more than six months in the future or more than two months in the future, so I can't say too much. Yeah, I'm just but guessing. the other thing, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so maybe I should just keep my mouth shut because I know what we're working on next, but I probably shouldn't say anything because it's too far in the future. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, just watch know, watch that space. Yeah, you can uh, basically yeah. kind of use your powers of common sense and say, you know, what would make yeah. a lot of sense to go into yeah. these other products to integrate properly? And then the last uh, integration I want to talk about is Cloud Manager. If you don't know, if you're an on-prem only customer, you may not even know what Cloud Manager is. But it's really was originally developed as our management tool for our cloud, um, you know, cloud services and cloud software like CBO, CBS, etc. But Cloud Manager can actually manage on-prem and in the cloud. It's actually not just in the cloud. It's just that it's sort of cloud focused, but it can't actually do on-prem. But we actually have integrated, because they're SaaS-based and we're SaaS-based, we literally integrated ActiveIQ right into Cloud Manager. So if you go into Cloud Manager, there's actually, um, they have a list of services and one of the services just literally says ActiveIQ. And if you click on that, it'll look like you're running ActiveIQ within Cloud Manager. And it literally is ActiveIQ within Cloud Manager. So it's pretty cool. And this will also, uh, give us a platform for further integrations. And I'm going to talk about three of them that already exist and then tease one that's coming soon. Um, 
we help power their digital wallet. And, and so by digital wallet, I mean all the licenses you have. Think about CBO, CBS, et cetera. Um, you have licenses. They might be pay-as-you-go or bring-your-own license. We have capacity-based licenses and node-lock licenses. Well, ActiveIQ is connected to all our internal business systems, so we know about all your licenses. Not only that, we know about how much capacity you're using. So we can say, well, you bought this 500-terabyte capacity license, but we see you're only using 278 terabytes. Would you like to create you know, more space because you're licensed for it? So ActiveIQ powers the digital wallet capability within Cloud Manager, which is really pretty cool. Um, the, the other thing coming soon is we're gonna be, allow you to convert licenses. So in previous day days, you had to either buy a node lock license or a capacity license or a feature license like cloud tiering or data sense. Um, and those were three different types of licenses that couldn't, you know, you couldn't just convert. Coming soon, I think it's in February, so I can talk about it pretty close, is that we're actually going to um, power inside Cloud Manager a way to convert licenses. Like if you accidentally bought a node lock that would rather convert it to a capacity base, you're going to be able to do that right from within the digital wallet in Cloud Manager. Um, the next thing is, you know, ActiveIQ, we get our data out of band. So Cloud Manager is like inside your, your virtual network. It's like VPN, you know, from the cloud inside your cloud network, however you want to call that. But we get data you know, out of band. So we know about inventory that Cloud Manager necess doesn't necessarily has discovered yet. So there's a discover button in Cloud Manager that's powered by ActiveIQ. And we actually know about all the other systems and we'll say, oh, here's a host name you don't know about. Uh, and then there's a the button that says discover next to it. And if you just click that, you put in credentials and bam, now Cloud Manager is managing that resource. That resource could be on-prem or could be in the cloud. It doesn't matter. Either way, we're now managing it. And then the last thing I want to talk about is we have firmware. I keep talking about firmware updates, but we've integrated firmware updates in Cloud Manager where with the click of a button, since Cloud Manager can actually manage on-prem equipment, you can update firmwares from within Cloud Manager. And then there's one thing I want to tease, which is, um, coming in February, which is only a little in the future, um, we're going to do our first integration of like a fix it in Cloud Manager. And that's the first one we decided to do was around security and FIPS 140-2 compliance. So there's going to be a, an alert in Cloud Manager that ActiveIQ detected that you're not um, FIPS 140 compliant. And there'll just be a button that says fix it. And it'll go to the, and it has a, another dialogue with what systems um, it's going to fix, and then it'll just go and fix it for you. Um, that's coming soon. But as you can imagine, now that we're integrated with Cloud Manager, there's a million things we could implement um, to, 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 to help. So you can imagine that is just the first of many things we're going to roll out in conjunction with Cloud Manager. And that's really all I had to present on integrations. I'm really glad to have this opportunity to talk about ActiveIQ Digital Advisor. I really feel like ActiveIQ Digital Advisor is a great tool for our, our customers and our partners and our internal NetApp people. And then I really feel that every customer and partner or NetApp person should be using ActiveIQ nearly every day for one purpose or another. And I really think that that I, that's the outcome I'd love after you've heard this podcast. I'd love you to go check it out. Yeah, download that app. It's <laughs> the easiest way to get to use it every day, right? Just check it in the morning when you're getting coffee and that Good. sort of thing. and yeah. On your phone, yeah, absolutely. Especially if you're a customer and it gets nice push notifications. Yeah. Cool. So um, one last thing to ask, and this is kind of touches on the other stuff that you cover, is is the performance stuff. So what sort of performance richness do we have with ActiveIQ? And, and can it tie into things like sizing platforms? Yeah, so um, ActiveIQ has three ways that we tie in with performance. The standard performance data that we have that we get over the normal transport mechanism is not very granular. It's only hourly data points, but it's great because we keep a year of it. So you can get reports going back a year. So it's easy to look for performance problems or patterns that emerge. If you need more granular data, you can request what's called an autosport on demand. An autosport demand has extremely granular data information that our support department uses to diagnose detailed performance problem. And we have a way to visualize that. We have this little interface with um, that uses Harvest and Grafana, if you know what those are. 
and it makes these nice graphs and it's super detailed. Generally speaking, though, that's used by your support only once you have a performance case. And then also, if you're doing sizing, you could take the data that's in ActiveIQ and inform our sizing tools. So customers don't have access to this today, although that may change in the future. But for partners and NetApp people, you can actually do sizing. Let's say you're doing a tech refresh. You can actually do that with the data that you import from ActiveIQ into our sizing tools. So that's the three ways that we um, show or you can use performance data. All right. So, um, you know, earlier you mentioned you don't have ability to show a demo, but do you have demos available out there that we can take a look at? Yes. So if you go to NetApp TV, there are two, um, that's the, the video site that, that NetApp is promoting and that we used for our insight event. There are two videos out there and you'll hear me speaking in both of them. One is an overview of ActiveIQ. So it's a great um, and I think it was a 40 minute video overviewing all the feature, main features of ActiveIQ and doing a live demo. And then I have a short one that's like 20 minutes. That's how to generate and run these Ansible scripts. Um, so it's specific on all the different types of Ansible scripts. And then I actually run one, right? I generate one and run it live in a, well, not live, in a recording. So you can see how it's done. So yeah. <laughs> Be pretty out. awful if you were just on demand to like do live recordings. Yeah, yeah that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> All right, excellent. So, um, again, if we wanted to reach you, Brett, uh, how would we do that? Again, email Brett A at netapp.com, uh, two T's and Brett. Or within ActiveIQ, there is a feedback button or a support button. If you use support, that opens a case. But if you use feedback, it comes to me and the product managers. And that's a great place to put in feedback on ActiveIQ. We'll include this information in the blog as well, so you'll be able to read about it um, rather than trying to write down all this stuff. And we'll include yeah. links and that sort of thing. Perfect. Thank you. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or via TechOnTapPodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Brett Albertson for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.